I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walt. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 22. We were here last time, and we said this is a long chapter. In fact, it is the longest chapter in the Gospel of Luke. It is 71 verses. And here we see a lot of things taking place the very night that he is taken with the betrayal of Judas. So we see lots of things here. We see betrayal, bewilderment. We see uh, a lot of conniving and scheming. We looked last time at the perpetrators, uh, the chief priests, the captains, the scribes, Judas Iscariot, who's allowed Satan, the master mind of this whole plan, to enter into him. We see this perpetrators getting together how can they get Jesus and Judas says look we'll we'll find a way that you can take him apart from the crowd and then the crowd won't be there because it says they feared the people up the very first six verses then we saw the preparations Jesus knowing everything told him when they were in town to make ready well, how are we going to know where, to, where do you want us to do that? You'll find a man with a pitcher of water, and you'll follow him, tell the good of the house, the master has need of it. He'll show you a large furnished upper room. That's where you'll make ready. His all-knowingness intact. He's knowing his hours come intact. And then we see the Passover. But in these verses, we see the Passover supper and the instituting of the Lord's Supper. And we saw about Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 saying that we're to keep doing that as an ordinance to do in remembrance of our Lord for what he has done. It is a remembrance. It is not a sacrament. It is a remembrance. But be careful because many people are sick and some have died because they ate unworthily. Examine yourself. Make sure that you have everything right between you and the Lord. And then we saw the perplexing of the disciples who when Jesus would say things, they were like, well, wait a minute. And, of course, Jesus said that, that one at the table, the hand of him that betrayeth me is right here, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Wow, woe unto that man. I mean, can you imagine Judas hearing that? And yet he looked at him, and if you look at the other Gospels, he looked at him and said, what thou doest, do quickly. And he departed. That woe just didn't face him. But then they began to inquire among themselves, which of them it was that should do this thing? Then they started arguing over who would be the greatest. And we see perception. And that's where we left off, this perception of greatest. And we went to John's Gospel, chapter 13, and showed in chapter 13 how it was the 
day of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour has come. Judas, you know, Satan had already entered into the heart of Judas to betray him. That's when he washed the disciples' feet and went through all that. Simon Peter had his little thing about it. But then he said, wash me all the way from head to foot. No, you are clean except for your feet where you've been walking the path for me. Got to keep your path clean. and we keep your life clean before me. And he did that. And they said, do you know what I have done unto you? Ye call me master and Lord, and you do well. For so am I. If I, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, should you not wash the feet of each other? He was trying to show them it is not about greatest. It's about serving, serving, serving. Now we get to verse number 31, and we see prediction. And this is a stunning prediction. In fact, uh, it is really probably something that we ought to pay very, very close heed to because Peter walked with Jesus, was right there. Now, I want you to hear what the Lord said. Verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, and he calls your name twice. You better lift up, listen up. Behold, lo, see this, get this, perk up. Satan, Satan, the devil, the advocate, or not the advocate, the, the enemy, the one who's the adversary is what I meant to say, against you hath desired, desired to have you that he may sift you as weak. The word desired means to beg for something, to obtain by asking. Can you picture this? Jesus is actually picturing Satan as begging permission of God to trip the disciples up. Can you imagine that? Well, I, I don't have to go too far. I can go back to the first book of the Bible as far as time goes that was written. Not We know that Moses wrote Genesis about things before the book of Job, but he wrote them after the book of Job. book of Job was the earliest book written. Now watch this. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Can you imagine that? You know, I followed that. The Lord says something like this. Uh, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And Satan accuses the Lord. Said, well, you got him hedged up. Drop the hedge. I want to get at him. If you just drop that hedge, he'd curse here to your face. But it didn't work. Then he says, skin for skin, a man will do anything for his life. And he said, you can do that, but you can't kill him. And he went out, smote him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet with boils. And Job still did not curse God. He said, naked came I into this world, naked shall I return. The Lord give, the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yet his wife said, do you still retain that integrity? Curse God and die. He said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we not receive good and not evil at the side? I mean, if we get the good things, are we not supposed to have bad things? Job had a pretty good attitude. In fact, I think the book of Job would have ended right there if he had never had a visit from his three friends. His three friends came after seven days and seven nights, as they sat there on the ground, I think Job, and this is just Waltonology that won't get you anywhere, but I think Job thought, if they stayed with me these seven days and seven nights and didn't say a word, then they must really be my friends. So I'll just tell them kind of the way I'm, what I'm dealing with. I'm trying to process all this, and as I'm trying to process all this and I go through it, I realize God shot an arrow at me. Now, I know that he didn't have the knowledge you and I have. We have the whole book of Job. 
But the truth is, God did allow it. Nothing can come to us except to go through the hand of the Lord. And then that frosted the three friends. They did not like that he said, God did this. And if you really want to just boil down from chapter number 3 to chapter number 41, where this dialogue takes place when the three friends come in chapter 3, they made it a point where they sat down and all that, and they start this dialogue. You will find the argument goes like this. Job, righteous people suffer too. Righteous people have things that happen where they have to deal with it and the Lord allows it. Their argument, only wicked sinners have this. Job, you have sinned. Get right with God. That You could boil it down almost to that right there. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired. He's begging to get at you. Ugh. That he may sift you as wheat. Whoa, sift. That, that means to shake. You know what's happening there? You ever uh, put stuff into a uh, uh, kind of a thing with holes in it? I've seen uh, cooks do it and they shake it and the, the big stuff stays in and the little powder stuff comes out. Or maybe it breaks up the, the, the flour. The flour's a little bit heavy and, it, and you shake it and it breaks it up and it comes down. Man, he wants to get hold of you and he wants to just shake you up. I mean, he wants to get in there. It has the idea of shaking as grain in a sieve and just, just agitate the snot out of you. Ooh, can you imagine? I mean, the devil doesn't like Christians. And people need to understand your adversary as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to get in there and he wants to just shake you up he wants to try to 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 just nail you and he wants you to not be genuine he does not want you to be the real deal he doesn't want you to come out shining as gold he does not want that so satan is in there he wants you but watch this oh this is incredible i mean can you imagine this whoa i'm about to have a spell watch this now but i have prayed for thee but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not I have prayed for you listen it's a personal prayer Peter he wants to shake you up like there's no tomorrow but I prayed for you and what I prayed was that your faith would fail not. I don't want you to fail. You see, the Lord knows that the, on this earth, the devil's going to attack us. He knows that. He knows he's out. And, he's, and he doesn't have to come directly to me. He can attack around me and put things in my pathway that I don't even realize are bad if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not spiritually right with God. So he can then say, beware beware now listen to this my bible says that we will have those times remember the the washing of the disciples feet 
First John 2, 1 and 2, My little children, these things that write unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. It's the same word that's used, uh, a parakletos, one called alongside to help, translated comforter before he comes. But send one to be your comforter. Why is he a comforter? Because he's an advocate. What does that mean? It means he comes in and pleads my case. He comforts us because he has the case. We don't have to deal with it. Uh, there, there are times when you, you just don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. And somebody says, I will take care of everything. I know exactly how this works. You know, I, I, there, I'm new to things. I, I took uh, early retirement at 62. I didn't know some things. And uh, I went uh, here locally to the Social Security office. Got a really nice man who explained everything to me. And uh, I got how it works. And, and it just worked out really, really well. And I was really pleased that I waited till I got up here to do it at, at, where there was... Uh, a friendliness to to help me. I, I had to put it in someone else's hands. I read things on it. I talked to people about it. I talked to a Social Security attorneys just to get the knowledge that I needed. And it's nice when somebody says, I got this. And they take all that monkey off your back. He said, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I am glad for that. I want you to know my Jesus prays for you and I. In fact, the Bible says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. That's Romans 8, 34. You know why the word also is there? Because up above in Romans 8, uh, 28, it says, we know that all things work together for good to them that know God, love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And he says in verse 28, then the Holy Spirit groaneth, you know, with utterance. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit's groaning. It's, he's interceding for us. So we see that the Holy Spirit's interceding for us in verse number 28. We see that Christ is also interceding for us in verse 31. And in between those two verses is verse 31 in Romans 8. You know what it says? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God is for us. The Spirit of God's for us. The Son is for us. Who could be against you if the God the Father's for you and the whole Trinity's there and they're interceding? Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing that he ever liveth, to make intercession for them. Romans 7, 25. Do you get it? You see what's happening here, folks? This is the one thing that you need to understand, that he is praying for you and me. He is praying for you and I. Do you know there was a prayer that the Lord prayed? Now, we think the Lord's prayer is, uh, you know, is the prayer of uh, our Father which art in heaven. That's a model prayer. But the Lord's actual prayer is in John chapter number 17. And he comes and he says, Father, the hour's come. This is it. Glorify thy son that thy son also may be glorified in thee. It's here. I've glorified thee on the earth. I finished the work which thou gavest me. I'm ready. And he's praying to his Father. He's praying about preserving the apostles. Listen to what he says. For I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I come out from thee, and they have believed that thou sentest me. I pray for them. <laughs> I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in him. I'm glad I do nothing I did of my own. 
through what Christ did because of the plan of God. I am his and he is mine and mine is his and his is him. I mean, we're all here. Listen to this. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy name, thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be as one as we. And he goes on, he prays for them. But listen, as he comes down into this prayer, he comes down and he says things like this, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me to the world, even so also have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. They also may be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. Are you ready? But for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You know what he said there? All the people, because of their witness that go forward, that I was not privileged to be around physically on this earth, I pray for them. Just go over there into John's Gospel, chapter number 17, verse number 20 of Mark. He prays for me. He prays for me. Amen. Amen and amen. Prediction. Peter, it's bad. Peter said, oh, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to the death. Man, I'm ready to go. He said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt die. Thrice deny thou knowest me. And he said to them, when I sent you without purse nor script and shoes, like anything, they said nothing. They said to them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script, and he hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this is written that must be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. They said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now we're going to skip verses 39 to 46 just for a moment and drop down because we're still dealing with this prediction of things. And I want to show you what happens. Drop down to verse number 54. Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. This is Jesus. And Peter followed afar off. That's sad. Already he's in trouble. He's not right next to Jesus. He's following afar off. He's not really to follow. I mean, things have changed now. What I skipped over, you'll find, is when he's betrayed and taken. So hang on. We'll get back to that. But I want to show you this fruition of the prediction. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another man saw him, or another saw him, and said, they, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of an hour after he comfortably affirmed, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know what happened? The prediction came true because the Lord doesn't lie. 
But I want you to know, in another gospel, it says, thy speech, you knew him, you were with him, thy speech bereath thee. It means it gives you away. You sound like you've been with him. Boy, our talk ought to sound like we've walked and talked with Jesus. But he swore, and, and the other verse says, he, Peter began to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. This gospel shows us this phrase, the Lord looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said it to him, before the cock crowed, thou shalt die thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Oh, he fell for it, just like Jesus said. And he's, he thinks, that's it, it's over, I blew it. Is off. Now let's drop, go back at, from the prediction and let's look at the uh, perception here. And I want you to see in this perception what is known. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place here. Uh, the uh, perspiration. Here we go. Perspiration. Verse 39. And he came out and went, and as he went for the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, Say, the place. He's been here before. He said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. You better pray. And he withdrew from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And he, being in agony, prayed more earnestly. And his sweat, perspiration, was as if it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. He prayed so hard. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to the disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. He said to them, why sleep ye? Rise up, lest ye enter into temptation. And we know that uh, that happened three times when you go to the other gospels. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude. Here we go. Here they come, the bad guys. And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them. He's up front. And drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. By the way, he's energized by the devil. Satan wants to get up front and get in his face. But Jesus said to him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what he would follow, they said to him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest, cut off his right ear. If you look at the other Gospels, it was Peter. And Jesus answered and says, Suffer ye thus far. He touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were coming to him, be ye come out with against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Looking right at the devil in Judas. This is the power of darkness. And that's who he is. The power of darkness. When we look at John's gospel, very interesting phrase. They said, we seek Jesus. He said, I am he. And they fell backwards. I mean, this I I'm gee, I mean man I'm him I'm the Christ and they couldn't take that it's been said if you read Fox's book of records that uh, Polycarp as they were leading him back when they finally got him to put him at the stake and he was an older man in his 80s and he prayed along the way with such power of God that the people guarding him were falling to the ground because the power of God was so there man we can have that kind of prayer power if we really want it so we see the perspiration but then we have to see the persecution and this is sad the persecution he's betrayed with a kiss he's taken we come down to verse number 63 watch this now and the men that held Jesus mocked him and smoked him made fun of him smacked him around 
And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, prophesy, who is that to smoke thee? He could have called their name. He could have said, I'll tell you who you are. And let me tell you something else while I'm at it. I mean, he, mm, he's God. Aren't you glad you weren't God then? I'll tell you what he did, though. He did say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. Blasphemously. I mean, they blasphemed the Son of God. They reviled. They hurt to the point of slander and railing. Uh, this is really a horrible thing. By the way, uh, I, I skipped a part with Peter, and I didn't mean to. It just came upon me. He, Jesus said to him that when he is, I pray for you that you fail not. And I, I forgot that last phrase. But when you are converted then you can go and do what you need to do. And I didn't want to skip that because that phrase there is very, very important. It's literally the word epistropho, which means to return or to turn back, to change direction. It does not refer to a person getting saved, but it refers to a repentance of coming back. We know that Peter has a lot of issues, but when the day of Pentecost comes and the Spirit of God comes, all changes. And so we do know that when that occurs, we see Peter change to a very bold preacher where 3,000 and 5,000 souls are saved. So that's the good part. You and I got saved. We got the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, they had to wait. Even though they were with Christ, they needed the Spirit of God. They needed him in him. So we go back now again. Many other things blasphemously spake against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council saying, Art thou the Christ? Notice it didn't say Jesus. Are you the Messiah to tell us? Come on. Who are you? And he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. It doesn't matter what I say. You're not going to believe me. I know your hearts. I know what's inside your heart. Your hearts aren't right. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Dunamis, the dynamic living power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need me any further witnesses? For we ourselves have heard this out of his own mouth. You know what they were saying? They were saying, Hey, listen, do you is this who you really are? And he said, Look, let me tell you, if I said that, you you wouldn't believe me. But several times they could have taken him. They didn't. They're kind of sneaking around because they know people believe he is the Messiah. And his answer, yeah, you say that I am, other chapter gospels, you see the whole picture. And saying, we don't need witnesses. We'll just judge him out of his own mouth. We'll just judge him out. Christ didn't lie. Christ didn't lie at all. He didn't say anything that was wrong. But they did not want him to rule. He's reigning on their parade. And he's not welcome to reign on their parade. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And he's the Son of Man. Luke presented him as the perfect man. And John presented him as the deity of God absolute God. What a horrible chapter that leads us now towards the crucifixion, all the false things that will take place in the next chapter. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to see clearly 
what they did, but you went all the way for you and I. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Walton. Have a great week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. Precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.